Hey, everybody. Welcome into a special edition of the Future Brew Podcast right here on maizeandbrew.com. My name is Vaughn Lozon. Join me today, John Simmons, Stephen Asentoski, both fellow recruiting contributors of maizeandbrew.com. And we're going to be recapping the National Signing Day of uh, all of the shenanigans that happened uh, on Wednesday. And it was uh, quite the day for all programs around the country, but especially for Michigan. And uh, let's just get right to it, guys. And uh, uh, I, I'm uh, if I'm a Michigan fan looking at this class right now, I'm pretty happy. And I, I, let's just start with the offense. I'd be very happy with how things went uh, with the offensive class. Obviously, you still had uh, McCarthy, who has been committed for a really long time now. Uh, I, I think the big news here is uh, Donovan Edwards end up committing uh, to Michigan their top running back recruit in the class, uh, a borderline five-star guy, in-state kid, uh, was choosing between Michigan and a slew of other really big-time programs like Georgia and Oklahoma, and uh, he ended up signing on the dotted line. For the Maize and Blue, top 50 player overall, and I would imagine that Jay Harbaugh and all those guys over at Schembechler Hall are ecstatic to have him. Not only did he end up signing for Michigan, but they also got Xavier Worthy, another top 100 prospect uh, to sign uh, the dotted line for the maize and blue. He was kind of wavering a little bit uh, with his commitment. He verbally committed back over the summer and just a few weeks ago took a trip to the Iron Bowl uh, to see Alabama and Auburn play. And uh, Alabama was coming on really strong here. Uh, But at the end of the day, uh, (laughs) he ended up signing with Michigan, and Alabama still ended up flipping a top 50 wide receiver uh, from LSU. So, um, you know, tough times over at Tuscaloosa, uh, it seems like. So uh, along with all of those guys, they brought in uh, five total offensive linemen, uh, the four uh, incoming freshman, and then the transfer, Willie Allen. I believe he's from Louisiana Tech. So lots of uh, guys along the offensive line there. And to top that all off, you got two other receivers with Christian Dixon, a four-star from California, and Andrew Anthony, another in-state kid. He's a three-star from East Lansing. And then a three-star running back, Tavier Dunlap, and four-star tight end, uh, Lewis Hansen here. So, John, I'll just pass it over to you. Uh, how happy are you? Uh, with this overall offensive class. And in your opinion, what do you think was the bigger deal for Michigan? Was it Donovan Edwards signing or was it Xavier Worthy keeping his commitment to Michigan? Yeah, overall, I'm pretty happy with the offensive class. I think you can legitimately say that Michigan signed their top prospect at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and offensive line this cycle, which is pretty hard to say uh, for most programs that they're able to do that. Um, so I think they, they really knocked it out of the park on offense. Um, I think Edwards versus Worthy, that's pretty tough to say. I really like Worthy as a prospect. I think he's super exciting to watch, but he also, you know, has some similar type players to him on the roster, like Jackson and Giles Jackson, AJ Henning are kind of like that the slot demons too. And I think Edwards is just kind of a game changing running back who also uh helps Michigan's perception with the, you know, in-state recruiting and things like that. They've been going after him for, you know, basically since uh, he came on the sophomore as a, or on the spotlight as a varsity player for, uh, for West Bloomfield. So I think that, you know, being able to land uh, one of their top targets and fighting off some of the best teams in the country for him uh, was a big win. 
Yeah, I, I really think so too. And it's really a toss up between Edwards and, and Worthy. You could go either way. I mean, it, it's you're not going to uh, really baffle me with either answer. Uh, Stephen, I'll, I'll just ask you the same question real quick. Uh, and then I want to get your take on uh, something on the offensive line. What, what do you think was the bigger deal here, Worthy or Edwards? Yeah, I think from an optic standpoint, what John was saying uh, rings true about Donovan Edwards. You, you just can't let a talent like that out of your state. Um, I do think with the uh, with the roster, even though I really like Michigan's young talent at wide receiver, um, I think Worthy has uh, an upside of wide receiver that even with last year's class for Michigan, I don't see anyone really touching the level of speed that uh, – that Worthy has, which is saying something considering we have Roman Wilson, AJ Henning, and just a ton of speedsters out there. So when you have a guy really fighting tooth and nail for, uh, for Xavier Worthy, like Alabama was when they already had a, a good number of wide receivers committed, uh, that tells you something about the talent he brings. And uh, I, I'm still really high on the running back room overall for Michigan, um, even without Edwards, obviously love to have Edwards there, but uh, man, I think I'm thinking of just the wideouts of having like an AJ Henning, Roman Wilson and Xavier worthy out there all at the same time. And what program out there can field a defense fast enough to cover that again, it's, it's a matter of, of finding the right plays and the right way to utilize that speed. But uh, that's terrifying guys who probably all run uh, sub four, four forties out there on the, field at the same time that that's very intriguing to me so it's a close one but i'm gonna say worthy yeah good luck covering all of those guys out there if if you end up having them on the field at the same time and then you throw in a guy like a ronnie bell who's also very elusive and and can get yards after the catch uh we'll see if he ends up staying uh, another season for michigan he would be able to but yeah i mean that's a lot of Offensive talent on the field all at one time for Michigan. So uh, really big uh, that they were both able to uh, sign for Michigan. In terms of the offensive line, I found a couple things curious here. Uh, the first thing, when uh, their, their top overall offensive lineman in this class is uh, Giovanni El-Hadi. Uh, he's a top 100 guy in state from Sterling Heights. Uh, he was on... Uh, the the radio with Sam Webb on WTKA this morning, and Sam had asked him where he expects expects to compete when he gets to Ann Arbor, and he wasn't really sure, but he said that he was pretty much just going to come in and and play wherever they want to put him, which is probably the correct answer there. But he had said that if he thinks that uh, he's going to come in and compete anywhere, it would be at left tackle, uh, which to me is quite curious considering that you've got a guy like Tristan Bounds, uh, who is a towering six foot eight beast, uh, who you would imagine would probably be the left tackle of this class when he, when he committed and just the measurables that you would imagine that uh, Giovanni would probably be best suited for the right side. Uh, but I digress. And then, Another thing here, when uh, offensive lineman Greg Crippen, who was uh, J.J. McCarthy's teammate at IMG Academy, when U of M, uh, the football Twitter account, had tweeted uh, his signature was all in and everything like that, uh, they had said uh, that they got one of the best centers in the country in Greg Crippen. 
Yet Raheem Anderson is coming in, another four-star. He's in-state from Cats Tech, and he's supposed to be the center of this class. I'm just curious as to how all of this is going to work out here. Steven, when you evaluate these guys on film, where do you see these guys ending up at? And do you think there's going to be any overlap at some of these positions moving forward? Yeah, I think it, I, I don't read into that too much. I think Michigan could definitely use some center depth. So I, I think the benefit for Crippen of playing uh, that position at IMG, I believe he did at least, um, that will give him a leg up just because he – uh, at least has some experience there, which is just rare for an offensive lineman. So I would, I would give Crippen the uh, – like being able to play that position at a high-level program like IMG will just give him a lot of that experience that's hard to come by, especially with the high-level play there. So um, I think like that to me makes more sense uh, for for Crippen to kind of slot in there first if Raheem Anderson is able to to step up and – prove he can take over that position. I don't think Michigan would, uh, you know, best guy should win. Right. So I, I don't read into it too much. They'll probably give them both the shot, but I think along the offensive line, if they tell one of these guys like, Hey, we know we've been you know, looking at you for left tackle. We think you have a really good shot to see earlier playing time at right tackle, you know, in, in the case that you're uh, Tristan bounds or, or whatever it may be. Um, I don't think any of those guys are going to uh, like turn away that opportunity. So I think it's, it's more of a case where sure Raheem Anderson and Crippen may both initially slot for center. Uh, but if they're able to, to move over to the offensive guard, I, I would expect Anderson probably to be the one out of those two to make that shift. I doubt they would um, bat an eye at that, so to speak. So I think, I think it'll shake itself out and, I know Michigan's approach to the offensive line is kind of feel the best lineman overall and not, you know, put a, put a guy in a one position standpoint, you know, you can, you can move them around. And I think Michigan really values that versatility in their offensive linemen. So I I don't expect that to change with this recruiting class in that regard. Yeah. I mean, you make a very good point. They are always, wanting to cross-train their offensive linemen. You take Carson Barnhart, for example. He's played guard. He's played left tackle. Andrew Stuber, he's played right tackle. He's played right guard. Jalen Mayfield, if you recall his freshman year, uh, got a little bit of playing time, reserve time uh, at left tackle. Obviously, his mainstay after that year was at right tackle. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't read too much into it either. I just found it to be interesting that they called him one of the best centers in the country, which probably isn't too far of an exaggeration, if an exaggeration at all, just because he had been playing at IMG and uh, for all intents and purposes had a pretty good senior season. Uh, John, would you agree with most of that, or do you have a, a differing view on all of that uh, regarding the offensive line? Yeah, I definitely think that just kind of take as many talented guys as you can and sort them out once they get to campus, for sure. Um, I do think Anderson has a lot of experience at center, too. Like, he's a four-year starter at Cass Tech. So I think that Michigan's, uh, you know, lucky to get two guys with, like, really long track records of experience at the position, which I think is going to set both of them up well to contribute early. Um, So I think either one of them could start off uh, at center and then maybe move to guard somewhere else. But we also see how quickly, you know, depth is 
needed at positions on the offensive line. You know, Vestardis, you know, leaves because he's a fifth-year senior, and Zach Carpenter transfers, and now all of a sudden, Reese Atterbury, the third string coming into the year, is the starter next year. So um, it's good to bring in a couple bodies there and, uh, you know, kind of restock that position. Yeah, how um, rare is it to have two offensive centers who have a ton of experience at that position. I just feel like you don't see that very often, let alone for a center, let alone two in the same class for a single team. That's kind of, that's kind of interesting. I don't know if I've seen that before. Yeah, no, I, it it is very intriguing to see all of that uh, play out and it will be interesting to see what happens when they step foot on campus. But you made a good point earlier, Stephen, the depth is needed. Um, you know, it, the center position is not one that they have a ton of guys at at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if one of those guys possibly emerges his true freshman season. Reese Atterbury didn't get any time this year uh, at the center position. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, all three of those guys are pretty much going into training camp next year with a clean slate. And, uh, and it should just really be like Jim Harbaugh always preaches the meritocracy best man wins. So. Uh, Very good news for the offensive class. Let's flip over to the defensive side. And uh, this is where the doom and gloom really comes out here uh, for the maize and blue. Don Brown, not a very good signing day by any means uh, for his coaching staff here. It started off with uh, Brandon Jennings and Quentin Somerville. Uh, Those guys ended up flipping Brandon Jennings, the four-star linebacker from Florida, uh, ended up flipping to Maryland uh, of all places, but I guess he had a, uh, a, a already a budding relationship uh, with their defensive line coach uh, over at Maryland. So I guess that makes sense there to uh, flip over if you're uh, worried about anything going on at Michigan. And Quentin Somerville ended up flipping over to UCLA. He is a four-star defensive end. He is from Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, so now Michigan is down to uh, three guys a linebacker, three guys on the defensive line. And uh, the one that I found really interesting here was Quentin Somerville's flip here. Now, Brandon Jennings, he had been committed to Florida State, and then he decommitted, and then he committed to Michigan, and now he decommits and flips to Maryland. So you'll have players like that every cycle where they can't really make up their mind fully, and this is – just what happens sometimes. But with Somerville, he had been locked in since uh, the summer and his relationship with Sean Nua, the defensive line coach at Michigan, really paved the way, in my opinion, for Michigan to land him. Uh, Eventually, his verbal commitment, and now it seems like that relationship with Sean Nua is kind of what pushed him away from Michigan because it the uncertainty of Sean Nua being in Ann Arbor uh, is real at this point. And I, I think you can say that about pretty much any defensive coach right now in Ann Arbor. You could say it about Don Brown, Sean Nua, uh, Brian Jean-Marie, all of them. Um, you know, th- there's no guarantee that any of those guys are on staff next year. Sean Nua's contract is up. So who knows if they end up resigning him at this moment with Somerville flipping to UCLA, I would say it's probably not very likely. Um, so, I'll just ask you straight up, John, do you think that with Somerville's decommitment, do you think that this kind of spells the potential end for not only just Sean Nua, but some of these other defensive coaches uh, in Ann Arbor, or do you think that uh, I'm being a little drastic here? No, I think it's kind of reading the tea leaves uh, correctly. What It makes sense a lot of more of the 
defensive recruits were wavering in the in the side coming up to the signing period. You know, McBurrows and Hood ended up signing on, but they they also easily could have left the class too. So I think there's just a lot more uncertainty on the defensive side of the ball, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a wholesale uh, you know replacement of the staff there. So yeah, I can definitely understand Somerville for flipping to UCLA after Nua was you know his main connection to the uh, program uh, back when Somerville was like a top 50 prospect being recruited by everyone new as the one that was able to uh, get in there because of his existing relationship. And then those schools backed off. So Nua stayed on. Uh, so when he left, it makes sense. Or when uh, the concerns about his job started popping up, it makes sense that Somerville, Somerville would leave. So we'll see if Michigan goes after another guy on the defensive line to try to add uh, in between the two signing periods here. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that a little later because I think there is uh, a guy or two along the defensive line that very well could be uh, in for a, a few phone calls from some guys in Ann Arbor. If that uh, 734 area code starts popping up on, on these guys' phones, they shouldn't be surprised. Uh, but some of the highlights here uh, from Michigan's defensive hall, uh, Junior Colson, obviously, being uh, this the – shiny brightest star of uh, their defensive hall here. The uh, 6'2", 228 pound outside linebacker from Tennessee. He's number 95 overall on the composite. Uh, he is fast. He's physical. And uh, for a linebacker, his size, he's actually pretty good at covering. I, I was pretty impressed with that aspect of his game. So I would anticipate he gets some run at some point next year. And uh, I don't be surprised to see him on the field early. I think he is a, a very good player in the making. Uh, the top-rated defensive lineman for Michigan's 21 class here is Kashawn Bennett now, uh, now that uh, Somerville had uh, flipped to UCLA. He's a four-star uh, a borderline three-star, honestly. He's number 349 on the composite. He is from uh, Connecticut. They have him listed as a strong side defensive end at 6'4", 220. Uh, but uh, if Don Brown has any say in uh, his development and where he ends up playing, uh, which at this point, who knows if he will, but if he does, I would imagine that he would be like a, an edge rushing like slash Sam linebacker. A kind of guy, kind of like uh, Josh Uche or uh, David Ojabo, one of those kinds of guys. Uh, a couple other players here. Uh, John, you had already mentioned Jaden Hood. He ended up signing on, which was great news. Uh, originally, he was going to uh, wait until February to sign during the traditional signing day, uh, but he decided to forego that and just signed uh, right before we ended up uh, going live here with this podcast. Uh, he's a four-star, so a very good news. Uh, for Jim Harbaugh there. The other linebacker of this class, Tyler McLaurin, three-star from uh, Bolingbrook, Illinois. And no, another guy uh, here that I really like in this defensive class is Rod Moore, three-star safety from Ohio. I think he is still underrated. Uh, he's number 499 on the composite. And then uh, the last two guys here, or last three guys, I should say, is uh, Jade McBurrows, who also just uh, signed right before we started podcasting here. The one cornerback of this class, he is from Fort Lauderdale, teammates of Jaden Hood, three-star guy there. And then two more defensive linemen, TJ Guy, three-star from Massachusetts, Dominic Giedice, a three-star defensive end from New Jersey. Uh, so 
lot to digest there. Steven, I want to throw it over to you. Um, obviously, I think the news of the day for the defense, other than the flips, was making sure that McBurrows and Hood ended up signing with Michigan uh, during this early signing period. They were able to do that. Uh, to my surprise, I really didn't think that Hood would end up signing today, but that is a very good uh, surprise there. Um, really solidifies a, a strong core of linebackers for this class. And Jane McBurrows uh, for the defensive backs, uh, you get your one cornerback here. Um, you'll probably want to look for more uh, in February, whether it be through the portal uh, or maybe a couple other guys uh, that have not signed in 21. Uh, but overall, uh, that little bit of news is at least good. I just want to get your thoughts overall, Stephen, on uh, how this uh, defensive class uh, came to be. Yeah, I really like last year's haul at linebacker and safety especially. So uh, I'm with you about Rod Moore. I think he's underrated uh, just within the top 500. I think he could be a bit higher than that. But uh, safety wasn't really a focus for the 21 class just because of the uh, really good haul I think Michigan got last year. So um, overall, I'm good there. I, I agree with your take on the linebackers as well. I think last year was a good set of linebackers. And uh, I really like what Michigan went after with – uh, Junior Colson and um, yeah, the surprise uh, commitment from Jaden Hood today that was or signing I should say was a uh, nice surprise as well. So so those positions I'm I'm happy about and excited about for the future. Um, the Jane McBurrows signing tonight was uh, potentially you could argue one of the most important signings. Um, it, I would argue that as well, even though you know he's a, a lower three star. Uh, I still think he's. Uh, underrated as well, but uh, I think that's accentuated with the um, with the signing of O'Marion Cooper over to Florida State. He was looking like a Michigan lean at one point. He also had Sierra Wright, uh, who I thought Michigan had a decent shot at. Who he still has to sign. I think he's uh, waiting until January second, um, but it's it's looking doubtful there. So you're right. Michigan needs to look further at cornerbacks overall. Um, but having at least Jaden McBurrows a part of the class and signed is uh, help, helps get that a little bit, um, a, a little bit more firm than I would say the defensive tackle position, which you mentioned the three uh, kind of defensive end types that Michigan does have, but there's, there's no true defensive tackles. And that's just a position year over year. Now we're seeing kind of a, a lack of numbers. Uh, so Definitely, that's the primary uh, place of concern um, there. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, it's, it's not – you can't touch the offensive class. It's just one of the better offensive classes that Michigan's had. Um, so nothing would compare, but uh, it, it, there's just a couple positions um, on the defensive side that are really, really lacking for me. But I do like especially what they've done at linebacker, especially for the 21 class. Yeah, linebacker is real nice. I, I think Colson is a really nice player. Um, obviously, I love Jaden Hood and the speed that he brings to the middle linebacker position. And uh, Tyler McLaurin is going to provide some uh, much-needed depth there uh, with that linebacker spot moving forward. So, yeah, no, I, I think for the guys that they got, I, I think that it's a pretty decent haul here. I wouldn't say it's elite by any means. They don't have a stud they don't have a Rashawn Gary uh, or a Jabril Peppers, but they do have some very nice players uh, to build around here. Um, so I, I would say overall, really, really like what they brought with the offense, defense. Uh, we'll have to see 
Uh, I guess it just depends on who's coaching these guys in the future. Uh, obviously, that is uh, another topic for another day, uh, but we will uh, bring you all that when, when and if uh, that ends up happening. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll come back and we'll talk about some of these uncommitted guys uh, moving into uh, the traditional February signing period. But first, let's talk about our latest sponsor here, Amazing Brew Podcast, and that is Homefield Apparel. And Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of the Midwest and Indianapolis. And not only is their stuff comfy, but it is officially licensed gear. So they really do not screw around when it comes to their designs. Uh, the team over at Homefield, they study every school's history, traditions, and legacies to create thoughtful designs that tells the unique story of each university. And they launched their Michigan line earlier this year. And they have some really amazing original designs that you really will not find anywhere else. I literally just got a uh, package in the mail today from home field got some t-shirts and a crew neck and they are insanely comfortable um, so they've got all of that stuff so if you need to stay cozy while rooting for your favorite team and this bowl season if it's Michigan, I apologize, but uh, there are other brands there, uh, but they've got everything that you need. Uh, vintage apparel wise, uh, look no further than home field and use the promo code MNB stands for Mason Brute to get 20% off your entirety of your first order. Again, that is 20% off the entire order with the promo code MNB head over to homefieldapparel.com today and have fun shopping. All right, and we are back. We're going to wrap up today's special National Signing Day podcast, talking about a few guys who did not end up uh, signing their letters of intent today and uh, likely will not sign during this early signing period. Uh, I, I think the most notable here, boys, is Rayshon Benny, the uh, four-star defensive tackle from Oak Park. Obviously, he committed to Michigan State last month after – uh, the loss to Michigan State at the Big House. And it sounds like uh, Michigan might end up swooping in here to try and get a flip uh, in time for the February signing day. So, John, I just want to get your thoughts on Michigan's overall uh, chance here uh, with Sean Benny. And uh, if they don't end up getting him, perhaps they'll go after another defensive tackle, George Rooks, who also did not uh, signed today, uh, but ended up getting some crystal balls. Uh, obviously, we'll see if uh, he ends up uh, signing during this early signing period, but as of this recording, he has not. So a couple defensive tackles there for Michigan to go after uh, to round up this class, and it's really a position of need uh, moving forward just in general. Uh, you know, It's not like Somerville was going to come in and really move inside and play defensive tackle right away. They need a guy that can come in and uh, pretty much be just that, a guy that comes in, plugs those gaps, and uh, provides some much-needed depth along that defensive tackle there. So, uh, John, just want to get your thoughts on those two guys and uh, what Michigan's chances look like as of right now. Uh, yeah, I think Michigan's chances look a lot better with Benny than Rooks right now. Uh, Benny committed you know, to Michigan State right after they beat Michigan uh, in the shocking upset, and I think – he said he had his mind up made before the game, but I think that really pushed him over the edge and he was kind of caught up in the the high of that uh, big win and kind of the trend in state was going towards the Spartans there. But then uh, their season didn't turn out the way that they wanted to either. They kept losing games just like Michigan. And I think it, it had uh, caused him to kind of 
have second thoughts about which program we wanted to be at. Michigan kept plugging away and they've at least extended the, the timeline to February if he doesn't sign the next couple of days, which I don't think he's supposed to. So uh, that just gives him more time to make up. And I think the, the odds of the percentage of players that uh, sign that don't sign in the early signing period and end up sticking with his school is pretty low. Um, that's just going off the top of my head. I don't have stats to back it up, but it seems pretty likely. So I think that it's uh, Michigan has a really good shot to flip him, which would be awesome. Add it's he's probably the top uh, guy, regardless of position left for Michigan to go after, given that he plays defensive tackle and is in state. So landing him would go a huge, go a long way in uh, solidifying Michigan's uh, defensive side of the ball. There, um, Brooks got some crystal balls to Penn State after being uh, leaned towards Boston College heading into signing day, but he pushed off his commitment again, which he's done basically every month since August. So who knows when he's yep. going to finally decide or not. It doesn't look like Michigan's really that much in it anymore. Um, they kind of focused all on Benny there. Um, so they, they may not even be a factor um, in this period between the before the next signing day. Yeah, which is really surprising to uh, hear that development considering that it, it seemed like he was going to be coming to Michigan at some point. It seemed like he was a Michigan lean at the very least. And now they're going to be going after a guy that they were going after originally, but then committed to Michigan state and didn't end up signing for whatever reason. It, it's just all, it's, it's weird. I mean, it's like the twilight zone. You just, you look one way and you see, you know, sunshine and rainbows and then the other way, you know, and then it just ends up flipping. It's just strange. It's just, that's recruiting sometimes, though. It is very interesting to see all of this play out here. Steven, um, just want to get your thoughts real quick on these D tackles, and then we'll move on to a defensive back. Um, it, it really seems like Benny, uh, they're going to go all out for him. Would you be in favor of that, or would you rather them kind of split the eggs in the basket 50-50 and at least leave some opportunity for Rooks? I think you double the eggs. You take that basket, you duplicate the basket, you go out, <laughs> buy more eggs, and put all your eggs in both baskets. That's what I say. Um, <laughs> I don't go know. with the 18 pack. Seriously, go for it, man. Um, I think it's it's just hard to read Rooks right now because it was like within 24 hours he had uh, the crystal balls to Boston College and then they flipped to Penn State. Uh, so it's, it's really hard to get a read on him. I think you – I think John mentioned you have a better shot at Benny. I would probably agree with that. So, uh, yeah, I think you just go all out on on Benny. I wouldn't um, I, I wouldn't consider him the like only option. I think Michigan should continue to look at other options as well. If you can add one additional guy as well, uh, that's a true defensive tackle as well as going all in on uh, Benny. I think that would be a, a good approach as well. So. Um, yeah, I, I think the main thing I'm looking at is how quick do you make decisions with your defensive staff? And that's what's going to have to make the difference for uh, those guys to commit, it seems, because um, the other schools they're looking at don't have as many question marks, um, you know, both at the head coach position and at the position coach. So the quicker Michigan can move on that and deciding those things, the quicker uh, I think they'll be able to gain some ground on, on both of those guys, but especially Benny. Yeah, man. I mean – I think so too. I, I just really think that they need to, they just need to figure it out. 
And at this point, it, like they've been waiting for so long to get one guy on board. And then it looked like both of them would get on board and there was going to be questions as to whether there'd be room for both. And then Benny ends up committing to Michigan state Rooks ends up uh, taking his time, wanting to make things or make sure that things are good with his commitment. It, it, it's just, it, it's been a long road. I'm just ready for it to, to uh, materialize here. And, and one of the guys, or maybe it's a, a completely different defensive tackle. Who knows? But they need to get at least one guy on board for this 21 class, and they need to, to do it pretty quick here. Uh, Sierra Wright is the other uncommitted target that they're probably going to continue to recruit, although I don't really think their chances here with Sierra Wright are all that great. Uh, he is a, a 6'1", 175-pound defensive back from Los Angeles, number 77 overall on the composite, number six overall cornerback in the country. All the crystal balls are in on USC uh, right now, which I would be comfortable kind of saying I I do think that USC uh, probably does lead here. If not USC, I could see perhaps Oregon or Notre Dame being one of the other schools that he is strongly considering along with Michigan. But uh, at this point, I just really don't see Michigan being the school uh, for him, uh, which is very unfortunate because Michigan really needs another cornerback in this class. And Sierra Wright is among the best in the country for that. So you would imagine that either A, they end up having to do some evaluations here, and uh, it's really going to be a struggle just considering that the coronavirus pretty much took away uh, almost everybody's senior season. So you wouldn't really have a whole lot of tape to do that. So the second option, which is probably the most preferable and the one that they'd probably end up going with is the transfer portal. And there are a lot of names in the transfer portal at this time. And uh, I mean, in my opinion, why not look at Julian Barnett? the uh, cornerback uh, who was converted to wide receiver at Michigan state. He entered the portal uh, a week or two ago. So why not give it a shot and see if there's any interest? Obviously I know that he went to that high school and Belleville and Michigan doesn't particularly recruit Belleville well, but he's been out of there for a little while now. So why not give it a shot? What do you say, John? Yeah, I think the, the transfer portal is a pretty viable way to go here um there's gonna you know there's not gonna be a lot of uh quality prospects still left out on the board i think barnett will be interesting just because he comes from belleville and i think him and Devonte dobbs were the ones that kind of started that rift there at the school a couple of years ago so we'll see if barnett still has those that bad taste in his mouth about michigan from whatever happened between the two um but i think he'd be an awesome ad if they could get him um i don't know who else is in there that would qualify but i think someone coming from another big 10 school would probably be the best shot to get those credits transferred because Michigan is notoriously awful at accepting uh, undergrad credits. Um, you know, for grad transfers, it's a little bit easier, but if you're Juco or coming from another school, you're basically going to have to start over. So uh, if they really want to go after a bunch of guys in the transfer portal, like we think they should to kind of shore up these positions on their roster, hopefully the admissions department can be a little more lax. Yeah, I, I I think that that probably is the one hindrance there for Michigan, and when it comes to the portal, uh, is is just the transfer of credits and all of those things. It's always been been a struggle. Um, I, I think another interesting option for for twenty one um, 
Avante Dickerson. I know this is a huge long shot here, um, but he has been uh, committed to Minnesota since April, but he said that he's going to end up signing in February. I say, why not just reach out to him uh, just to see? I mean, he's a borderline top 100 guy, he's six foot, 170. Uh, obviously, things are leaning toward Nebraska at the moment. The crystal ball is starting to swing uh, toward Nebraska uh, to flip him from Minnesota. But if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I say, why not? I would pitch it as pretty much as what they've been pitching to all cornerbacks in this class is, hey, um, you know, we, we've got one guy and, uh, and we need another. So if it's not Sierra Wright or someone in the portal, maybe go after a guy like him. Um, but, Stephen, I just want to get your quick final thoughts on, uh, on this uh, with Sierra Wright and uh, what you would do if you were Harbaugh, uh, given you only got one corner. Yeah, it's just tough because, I mean – you have, I think I just counted like three or four guys in the top 70 at the cornerback position that are not signed. And I think those four guys uh, are already committed. So you don't, it's not like you have a whole lot of guys to choose from that you can still get, uh, get a plausible uh, like inroads at, right. They're already committed. It's just about getting signed. So it's, it's, very slim pickings. So I think it's a matter of getting one or two guys from the portal. Um, but yeah, it's, there's nothing really else to say, except it's tough. I know there was yeah. a, another guy you mentioned, uh, the Minnesota commit uh, Dickerson. There's also Isaiah Johnson, who's committed to Arizona state. He's right around 150 nationally. Um, he's out of California too. So I know Michigan's like to go after those guys uh, at the cornerback position. So I don't know, call David Long up, right? And get him yeah, on the phone with, exactly. it, with him. Right. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't foresee getting any cornerbacks. Um, I, I'm, I'm doubtful there. So I think, yeah. I think that's where it's looking like. Boys, I want to thank you for hopping on the pod tonight to talk about uh, this 21 class. Obviously, there's still work to be done for the guys in Ann Arbor, and we'll be uh, continuing to monitor all of the developments as we get to February for the traditional signing day. So uh, for Steven Ostentoski and John Simmons, my name is Vaughn Lozon. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys next week.